Welcome to the Gate 7 International Podcast, your official English source for all things Olympiacos FC and Greek football. The first day of training is when I realized, oh, this is why they win the league every year. When I, I spoke with Kevin, if I'm going to sign or no for Olympiacos, I said, you're a pretty good deal, like my friend. I can't speak, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> What's happening, everybody? We didn't know who was going to do the intro today. I thought you were going to do the intro. <laughs> Welcome, everybody. <laughs> There's the three of us, the Holy Trinity here, if you want to call it that. I'm Costa, joining you from Belgium. I'm joined by co-host Labro Sirmo, also in Belgium. Ari from the US. Been a while, guys. Uh, some breaking news today. We're here to talk about new coach, new era, Arolibiakos. We're here to talk about everything, guys. Sunday night live. We're back. If you haven't hit the like button already, hit that like button, subscribe. If you haven't done so, get involved in the comments. We're going to be here the next hour, however long uh, we get this going. Ari, haven't seen you in a while, man. What's going on? Well, when I'm not doing deep dives, man, it's just me and Michali hanging out. I talked to Peter a little bit today, too. He's doing well also. Says hi to everybody. Hi there. That's good. It's good to hear Peter. I think Peter's super happy that Pedro Martins has been fucked off to be honest oh, as well he was beaming he was yeah. beaming with happiness like i don't think he's ever been happier he's like pedro martins is gone it's like one of the best <laughs> days ever so. I mean, or he's not gone he's not even gone yet like can we start he's still with here. that he's so still he fucking here yeah. like what a joke like are you we haven't been able to get rid of him and also we were gate seven goes to him the club goes to him and they say Hey, Pedro, you need to fuck off. And they're like, wait, 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 wait. Don't leave before we find a new coach. Please do not leave yet. Like, you're gone, but don't leave. We need someone to make a European list. Can you please do that? Like, we can't afford to fire you. Oh, but also, can you train the players? We have no one else who can train the players. Pedro, please. Please, God. That's that's what Olympiacos come through. Yes, Simo? Yeah, we have one of your guys from Switzerland here, Simo. Hopefully... We we find each other in the seats another time this season, European game. Hi, what's up, everyone? You came on an early rant of mine. (laughs) (laughs) Already. Already. Because, like, it's a joke, guys. They're, like, begging Pedro. They're like, Pedro Marta, please stay to coach the team. But please resign as well. You, uh, it it can't. I've never seen anything so pathetic, but. Anyway. Well, before we get into the actual uh, the actual discussion about it, real quick, guys, if you don't remember from the last show, we do have a new sponsor uh, for those of you that remember from last week, BetUS. We are partnering with BetUS not only to help you be able to bet on your favorite club, but also we're here to help you now try and win a little bit of money. With BetUS, we're hoping to combine our analytics, our player analytics, and some of these Vegas player props, game props, to help make you guys some money and also bet on your favorite club. Use our promo code GATE7INTL at betus.com.pa and you will get a 125% deposit match 
when you make your account. Now, there are some restrictions. Not every country can use BetUS because of various uh, rights with regards to online betting. But if you are in one of the countries that can, we think you should do so. And we're going to be doing stuff. We have our bets of the day. We did them last week. We're going to be picking uh, our preferred bets and things that we think will be positive for you. Uh, for the games coming up and we'll continue to do so. So if you guys are sports bettors and you want to get into it and bet on Olympiacos, bet us is the way to go. And with that, you know what, uh, we're going to get into the coach. We're going to talk about Carlos Corbran. I've been doing a lot of, uh, we're talking to a lot of people, a lot of contacts in the UK, friends, people inside football, People that I know personally that I grew up with that watch championship football. Uh, Ari's been looking into tactics as well. We're going to bring some boards up. We're going to show you how he plays, what kind of systems, what he likes to do. Um, we've done our research. We're going to spend time with you guys to talk about it. But before we do that, um, I think it's interesting. I put out a poll a couple of days ago and I asked the question, what kind of manager do you think Olympiacos needs right now? And there were four options. The first one was experienced manager. Second was young manager with ambition. Third was dictator. And the fourth option was Greek. So those four options, 43% uh, of fans, this is about 600 people that voted, 43% of fans said they wanted an experienced manager. 31% the young uh, ambitious type, twenty percent the dictator and Greek came in last with, with six percent. But I'm not sure. Well, we 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 didn't get the experienced one in the end. There was a lot of talk about Slavin uh, Slavin Bilic yesterday night, this morning. There seemed to be some some messages going around on social media that that, that we were close to agreement. Oh, Later I can tell on. you the story. He came out. You want me? I read the story. Yeah. Uh, this evening, Billich came out. He said, I flew to Greece. I, I talked with the club. Um, I was offered the position. And after thinking about it, I came to the realization that it wasn't the right point in my career to sign with Olympiacos. That's the story. So he came to Greece, spoke with the club, presented his vision, presented theirs, gave him an offer. He thought about it, turned it down. That's his side. According to Olympiacos, they never even, they don't know who uh, Slavon Bilic is. They denied he was even on the list. He wasn't there. And yeah. Yeah. Ari, what, Ari what's your take? Like, um, so on this, on this, take, take it, take it wherever you want to. Take it. <laughs> so, I mean, regarding, I'll be honest with you, I wasn't, when Bilic was announced and he was rumored, I wasn't super excited about him either. And it's funny because some of the same people I saw that got upset that Billich wasn't the name are the same people that would have been complaining about his football because he's a results driven guy. That's his brand. That's his, those are his, he's results driven football. That's how it is. That's not pretty. It's quite ugly, but it, it can work and he's had success with it. So I was kind of surprised to see so many people complaining that we didn't get him. Yes. You know what? He's a bit of uh from what we've heard, uh, I don't, I don't want to say an authoritarian, but um, uh, so, somebody that will, that will bring the locker room together, I think we'll say, right? So a man manager in whatever respect, maybe he's a little bit more strict, a little bit more directorial in that respect. Sure, maybe that's what we needed. But I could just see, 
I could just see already my mind was jumping six months and people complaining, oh, we're we're getting results, but we look like shit again. It would have been the same carousel. And at this stage, there seems to have been a value if if you base what the complaints have been by the fans, by the by everywhere. The complaint has been we the results meant nothing because our football was garbage and it's unsustainable. So you got to take one with the other. Now, no, I'm not saying that Corberon has less risk than Billich does. He has risk, and we'll get into that. But for for the complaints that I we were hearing about Martins, those same people complaining about the aspects of Martins we didn't like are going to be the same people that would have complained if we signed Billich because we would have seen some of the same types of ball, maybe not as ugly but results-oriented, which inherently is an uglier brand of ball. Now, Spock, Adi, because I, I was thinking about this, like, obviously, the ever since Wednesday night, you know, uh, thereafter, looking at the names that were floated around, Carlos Corberan came out the next day as yep. the number one contender. Famous Gersadis broke it on Sport 24 the day after. Uh, Shabby Alonso was apparently in the fold. Uh, Javier Calleja came to Athens as well. We know that. He talks to the club former Villarreal manager. Um, and then there was Slavi Bilic. And my, I mean, I've been playing around with this in my mind, obviously the last few days. And I'm thinking there's no, there's no perfect option, guys. There's risk in every, every one of these different options, like high, low, short term, long term. But my main concern with the, with the, the team, like the playing part of our club right now is the dressing room. And that's why I had that feeling that we needed a manager like Bilic, that's a motivator, that's a man manager, that knows psychology. He was a player as well, a very good player in his time. Um, uh, and so, you know, that I was one of those that thought we need, we need a mix of experience and ambition, hard to find. But with those names that we had, I thought Bilic. The risk with Bilic, to build on what you said, is that I think Bilic would have been a short-term option, that he may have had an impact in the short term, but then it would kind of get a bit dry because I think some of the things that I've read today as well are right. That I mean, look at his teams. They've not produced any kind of sensational football. They are kind of results-driven. He's a versatile manager. You can't say... Oh, Bilic likes to play a 4-4-2 or Bilic likes a 3-4-3. He'll, he'll adapt to what he has. And in that sense, I think Bilic could have come in and kind of given us a quick fix. But I don't know what that would translate to in the long term. But because there's all that Grinha at Olympiacos, I think it could, have, it could have helped to kind of simmer down the situation at the club. Then you've got a guy like Corberan. And the risk there is we're going to get into his profile and everything. He's a relatively inexperienced manager when you compare to a Rafa Benitez or like, a, you know, Bielsa was never going to come like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> it was never going to come. He's a, he's a relatively inexperienced. He's been an assistant coach at Villarreal. He's been an assistant coach at Leeds with Bielsa. He's been an assistant coach at the Spanish national team. Some of us are thinking about Victor Sanchez comparisons. I don't think it's the same. Like we can we can get into that, but is definitely a guy that has a lot of potential that we hear a lot of positive things about. 
But do we have the patience? Do we have the patience as fans to wait and see what this guy can do? Because I'm not sure how he's going to handle that dressing room when he gets in there, if he's capable of doing it. Because yeah. that dressing room is not a happy place right now. What, I'll end with this. The last thing I will say is that our friend Marshall Olibiakos France on Twitter is a Marseille fan. Bielsa was at Marseille. The one thing he told us about uh, Bielsa and, and Corbran is that if Corbran picked up 10%, only 10% of what he could from Bielsa, then Corbran is already somebody that knows our squad inside out and every single player that's in that squad, all 47 players. And that gives me some kind of comfort that he's not walking in blind to what the real situation is at the club. That's my biggest worry. That's my biggest worry with Corbran is how he's going to deal with that dressing room the first day he gets in, the first speech he gives to those players. Because that first speech that he gives Huge. to the players is going to set the tone for for the, for the entire season. It's it's massive. Yeah. I guess dropping my like my points the same as Costa, I was leading towards Billich because the personalities and characters we have in the dressing room um Let's be really honest of what Huddersfield Town is as a football club. No disrespect. Again, no disrespect. But they don't sign players with money. Like, players come for free, blah, blah, blah. It's a loan. It's like their owner doesn't spend a lot of money. Even when they went to the Premier League, if I remember, they barely spent any money. Um, like, what what type of personalities was he seeing in the locker room? He's now working and in, walking into a locker room with experienced players who honestly have like a better CV than he does, have more experience at top end football than he ever has. Like Socrates, Manulas, Jan Envia, El Arabi, even Matiev Abuena, Avram is even in the dressing. Like there's players there, older, more senior players who literally have more experience at this at the highest level than he ever has. Like I, I, that's why I think Billich would have demanded respect. He also would have told the club, I want this, I want that, and no questions asked. Now we have a situation where I don't know what the situation is going to be with, with Corberan. Maybe he has better man management than we even know. But all I know is he's a player, he's a locker room full of characters and players who know what playing at the top level is like and what is to be expected. He's coming from the second division of a small town in the north of England where the expectations were, okay, you're going to be mid-table. He had a great season last season, but the expectations and pressure here are something that he, I'm going to be real honest, has probably never experienced in his life. And he's walking into a scenario where a lot of the players are not happy. Um, there's tension everywhere, a bloated squad, 40 to 50 players trying to get them out, trying to get them in. What I, I will tell you guys, um, Maros, cheers, mate. Um, the best thing I could say to Carlos Corberan, if he was listening tonight, fuck no, he probably is not. But if I could say something, I would tell him, call David Fusta right now and say, please come, please come help me. Like, I need someone who knows this club and how it works to be helping me do this. Essentially, that, that would be my biggest recommendation. He needs... He needs help with he needs someone who knows what this is. Like he's walking in, he can do his research, he can Google, he can go on Y Scout and look at the analytics. 
But when you walk into that football club, when you feel that pressure of winning every single game, let's see how he really does in November with a derby. So I w- I would call David Fuster right now. I'd even call I'd call anyone who would answer. I'd call Choi Dominguez, but mostly Fuster because he's he would be down. I think Fuster if he got the call right now, and he said, "Okay, Corberan, I need help. Will you come?" Fuster would say. It would be my honor to come, and I, I couldn't recommend that more. So um, I don't know if you guys agree with that, but by himself, I think he's in trouble. I'm gonna say it from the very start. Like, I think he's really in trouble if he, if he, Costa's right. He has more experience, but guys, the locker room is so toxic. It's so bad. I I don't know how a 39 year old from Huddersfield Town can do this. I, no offense against them, but this is a completely different, different can level. I- can I address something real quick? Because this this yep. point about Huddersfield and championship, I've seen a lot and read a lot and heard a lot about this the last couple of days that, you know, Huddersfield Town must hate us because two of their best players went to Forest. Now we took their manager as well. Now, jokes aside, this message from Manu, uh, I'm going to read it in, in Greek. The Manu says, για τον προπονητή να τον ψαρέψαμε τη Huddersfield όλοι δηλαδή από Β' Αγγλίας business μόνο από εκεί πλέον so that's the point that we seem to be doing a lot of shopping from Huddersfield right now um, do not repeat do not underestimate the level of football that's played at the championship you call it Β' Αγγλίας or like second division t- second tier football in England the championship is a very particular league You need a very particular style to be able to compete. There are more than, was it 20, I think 24 teams in the league. It's one of the longest in Europe in terms of fixtures, how many fixtures they play, plus the cups and everything. It is legit one of the toughest leagues in Europe. So do not underestimate the people that we're bringing from the championship to come and play and level up with us. Now, about Huddersfield Town, I'm not going to get into tactical analysis because Ori's done that. But what I will say, as background, and some of you have probably already done your reading, like you've read the articles and whatever, Corberan took this team and he managed them for two years. Costa, can I cut you off real quick? Since you're English, can you explain the context of Huddersfield Town? Like, what? where is... I? I'm, so, I'm going to really... be that guy. I don't know what Huddersfield is. No. I don't know where it is. I was going to say the same thing. I like, think this I is literally don't know shit. Like, can we get some context it's of a like, village what it is the, like? It's a village in like mid north, like north of England. It's a really small town. Like Huddersfield Town actually made it up to the Premier League a couple of seasons ago. I think it was what 2018 with David Wagner. Um, and I mean, you talk to some Huddersfield Town. Fans and David Wagner's a legend for them, of course, because he managed to take them back up to the Premier League and keep them there. I think they went down the second season. Um, and the way they talk about Carlos Corberan is very similar. And some of them, you know, they give even more praise for him than David Wagner, the guy that took them up. So this is a very small, small town club that dropped down from the Premier League and struggled big time. They weren't ready, like when they dropped back down to the Championship. And um, and in his first season, they finished 20th. Are you guys still hearing me? 
Yeah, the the green screen has gone down. Oh right. no, <laughs> technical difficulties. Technical problems. <laughs> Sorry about the green. Sorry about the green fucking, behind me. Fucking now, Huddersfield was... Town was like, call up anonymous for the yeah. hack. Hack Gate Seven International. Like fuck these guys. No. Trolls. Okay, look. My point was first season. Carlos Corbran finished twentieth. Twentieth out of twenty fourth. Yeah, they were floating mid table. They finished 20th and everybody, but everybody was predicting that Huddersfield would either go down or finish right near the bottom relegation battles this season. Yeah, They finished third with a very low budget. They made some transfers. I think they were nearly all of them free transfers and the guys managed to take them to third in the league okay from 20th from bottom to third to the playoffs final to the game with the the biggest money i had to do it i had to put it nice try nice try um but yeah no he did remarkable stuff there and the the players were kind of shit no offense like i watched the one final with nottingham force i don't watch the championship but like they had this central defender named Saar. I think his name was. Yeah. Holy shit. This was like one of the worst footballers I've seen. He played for 45 minutes. He was terrible. FIFA, of course, was there. Uh, some of the other players. I don't know. Sh- shall we get into like some comments? Or Adi, do you want to like get into some of the tactical stuff? Should we do comments before? Yeah. Uh, do a couple Adi. comments first, and then I'll jump into everything. Because I've already seen a couple questions about it. There were people that kept DMing me about uh play styles and stuff too but there's a couple of questions we can address first before we get into everything yeah okay so i i want to like you guys can pull comments i'll pull comments um i think i saw a comment hold on andreas says martins came from victoria guimarães and did quite well the first three and a half years that's fair but he also didn't come after the team got knocked out there was um he that's came true. with a preseason he came before the preseason kind of got to analyze he saw a few games and and Turk, uh, Thane Stouts said, I hear they had one of the smallest budgets in the previous season. Still, man. Yeah, they did. They, they have did. a very small budget. Costa's back, green screen back. Um, well, and that's, and here's, this is where like the silver lining is, right? Because all the risks that were brought up, it's 100% true. But what's also true is we have signed coaches before that had very little pedigree that also did things. Pedro Martins is one of those. Yeah. Uh, a certain other coach that had some success with us named Michel also didn't have much experience before he came to us. He had a spell at Getafe. May, I think maybe Sevilla too. For a Where was bit. Marco Silva before Olympiacos? I don't even remember now. That's a good call. Oh, so there you go. That's right. Okay, so that's more pedigree then. Yeah, a little bit more pedigree. Yeah, but I mean, it's this isn't the first time. And 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 again, Lampa, you already kind of brought this up before. He had some really awful players. And that's stuff I'm going to get into, too, because in a system that he employed, which does take homage, I'm not going to say it is a carbon copy of a Bielsa system, because I think that disparages a little bit what um, what he has done himself. But the system that he has works with more technical players. And he did not have very technical players. I did not see a lot of one touch at Huddersfield. And in a system that he uses, you have to have players that can move the ball pretty quickly. 
So I think with all that in respect, like this is a silver lining for us. Like, cause okay, maybe we're not going to have that type of shoestring budget, but we are a team on a budget. Right. And Adi, just even, to make the point, uh, Huddersfield town is worth 21 million euros on transfer mark. Olympiacos 125 million euros. So exactly. So uh, I think that this, that's the silver lining right there. You know what I mean? He's done. He's done pretty well with worse. Yeah, 20 and at the very euros, least, we can like, say we have more technical players than Huddersfield yeah. does. It's interesting to me, Adi, because like the way he played with Huddersfield Town, like you're not going to be able to play the way you play with Huddersfield Town with Olympiacos. There's going to be changes to um, to the way he plays, surely, right? Like there's no way you can play with a small budget team in the championship the same way as you play with Olympiacos. I'm wondering about that. I know. You know what? That's a really good question, Lombro. And why don't why don't we get into some of the tactics? Right. Because I can explain it. where I think it's going to go. Uh, right. Because Let's I already... There are some people already here that are, that are doing this, uh, that are asking okay. these questions and putting their comments here. So I'm just going to share my screen for you guys. So now bear with us. This is my first time doing any kind of deep dive on a coach. So this is going to be a little bit of a new experience for all of us. That's not what the ladies like to hear, man. <laughs> so can everybody see my screen okay? Yeah. So for those of you that, have, that know absolutely nothing about this coach, uh, the system that he employs, it is, a, it is going to be primarily a 3-4-3. This is what he used at Huddersfield. This is what he has used pretty much everywhere he's done any kind of coaching stint. It's a 3-4-3 that somehow turns into a 4-3-3. Now, what we mean by that is he's going to have, of course, his three stoppers here, but he's going to do this differently than Pedro Martins. This central center back that's here when he does exist is not usually a real center back. This guy right here is usually the number six or the single pivot in the midfield. So that's another difference. He doesn't use a double pivot like the Portuguese coaches we've had to. We don't have, we're not going to hopefully not see too many of these double center defensive mids playing together, slowing our play up. It's usually one. That's what he used at Huddersfield. That could be context for the players that were available, but that's what was here. And generally, what you're going to see in terms of the buildup from this 3 4 3, and I'll get into the 4 3 3. Don't worry. Everybody's been asking me about it. I'll get into that. The way the 3 4 3 works in buildup is you're going to see. The ball play, the goalkeeper is going to be have to play the ball just like in some of those Spanish systems like Guardiola. You're going to see anytime the goalkeeper has the ball, the center backs are going to have to drop back, and then the the midfielder here, the holding midfielder that also will play as a third center back, he will float. He'll make runs in and out here. These runs are not for him to actually receive the ball. Very very rarely does this guy ever receive the ball when the buildup starts. His purpose is to be a guy to pull, whether it's the individual pressing or somebody else away so that there's space here for one of the midfielders, whether it's one of these inside midfielders to track back or one of these wingers to track back here. That is the general idea of how the buildup is going to start. Now, once buildup obviously starts, the goal here is going to be a little bit like organized chaos. The ball is usually going to come, uh, whether it's to one of the side uh center backs here it's going to come and it's generally going to play through into the midfielder but only while these certain runs are happening there's this whole system is contingent upon these very fluid very dynamic runs and you are going to see when the ball is moving or when the ball's in place here at the center back there's going to be two or three runs happening at the same time you are going to see rotating runs out by the wingers here 
the wingers and the, the wingbacks. And you're also going to see runs in here from the center mid and the forward. You're going to see the forwards that are going to come back like this. And you're going to see all this kind of chaos created. And the purpose of this is to completely catch the midfield or to completely catch, we'll say, the defending players off guard. Uh, it's a system that's, I kind of thought of like organized chaos because it does create chaos, but that's where the opportunities become or come in because you'll see people, some trying Trump, like double marking a player here and there, and it creates all of this space. But that's the general idea. And there's one other point I want to make here before we get into some specifics and I show you guys another map that actually has some players on it. What do you notice here? Costa Labro, do you notice anything in particular when you see this? When you talk, what, in the middle? Just when you look at this, just look yeah. at the pegs and the way they're shaped. Do you notice anything? And I'll try to move the pegs closer. Maybe this will help. Well, clearly the triangles it makes. Exactly. Like yeah. Exactly. Yeah. This game for for the for the coach is all about triangles. They have to be everywhere, and they are present everywhere. This is why he likes this three four three. This guy seems to love triangles because they are built everywhere. Now, I had told you before we see him not just in the three four three, but we also see uh, once in a while a four three three. What happens with the four three three? The holding midfielder comes up out of the center back area. The wingbacks will drop a little bit deeper. The center backs will pinch a little bit closer in. And then he will play more as a 4-3-3. The holding midfielder will be your single pivot anchor. Kind of like what Jan Avila does for us already. He's not going to move too much away from here unless the line comes up higher. These two midfielders in here are going to be moving. They're going to be kind of given free reign to go wherever they want. Uh, there's usually at least one out and out winger that will kind of float around here to help create space and one inside winger that's going to be cutting, making these runs in, which is giving the, uh, the forward here freedom to drop in. Uh, what I saw this system really needs a forward that can drop in El Adabi at his best can do that for us, uh, very well. And that's just going to be the general, just the general gist of what the formation that he does offers us. Uh, now there's a couple problems, which some of you have already asked me already. And some of you are probably getting now. Some of you may have noticed that, uh, a system like that is more successful in, in a counter, uh, drawing players in, creating these movements so that you can then cut things through space. This is true. And this is one of the question marks. How effective will this be in Greece? Because in Greece, we're not going to have a lot of players pressing us. So you're not going to have a lot of instances where this is my second graph where you have teams that are pressed high. Now, I just did for this, uh, for simplicity's sake, I chose a simple 4-4-2. Uh, the, red, the red squares that you see here, these are the opponents in this imaginary scheme. 4-4-2, uh, a little bit staggered here with the 3-4-3 of Bielsa in the black. So generally, as I mentioned before, the, the players that are in the press, you usually have one guy that comes here. Then the purpose of the third center back here is to make a faint, a fake run to draw this player here. This way, when the goalkeeper then plays the ball, you have one midfielder. Usually it will be either the far one here to draw the second the second midfielder here, or the idea is to draw this midfielder in to draw another midfielder here. Then you have one of these other defenders that also should be making a run as this guy is supposed to be also doing an overlap and a rotation run with another player here to cause confusion simply with these two people. Because if one 
if one of these defenders makes a mistake and gets stuck on the same person, then when the ball gets played, look at the space. Look at the lanes that open up. And then this is how those counters are formed. The problem is going to become in Greece when this doesn't happen and the teams that we play against, like the um, Pasianinas of the world, the Lamias of the world, the Ergo, well, maybe not the uh, Panetolikosas of the world. They were a little bit more open against us. When they sit like this, mid-block, you have two guys that won't leave here. Then the problem becomes, well, okay, how are we going to break this down? And the way that this was done at Huddersfield was basically it involved the back three staying more or less like this, pushing the wingers higher, the forward dropping a little bit deeper with your attacking-oriented midfielders rotating and pushing this way so that you eventually get similar to what we saw with Coach Pedro Martins. You would see a line of five people, kind of like this, with your two midfielders here. And then the center back with the ball here. Now, the only thing I saw that indicated to me what could be done about some of the buses that were parked were in some of the instances I saw with Huddersfield, which were not very often. And what that involved was literally a constant movement, whether it was the forward and the inside winger here cutting in to create this rotation to try and draw uh, one of these defenders to a double mark and create some open space. Or instead of the forward, we saw the inside wingers dropping with the same purpose to draw these here. The wingbacks either cutting in or cutting forward with width to pull this, to pull him back, and to pull this back. And then with the purpose of giving the individual here more space to carry the ball to give them time coming forward. So this is where the kind of the concern is for me because as you see here, what is probably going to end up happening in Greece is we're going to get this clutter here. And that's going to mean that uh, we're going to be relying on these half spaces from some of these players to sit in. And that's going to be, we're going to be relying on some quick play in triangles to get us out of this, to break these defenses down. And that's something that Olympiakos hasn't done very well. And when we're talking about, when we're talking about risk of what we have here, this is a huge risk to us. Because if we can't break these teams down, what is the what is the point of it? And that's that's a risk for me, at least in the uh, uh, when it comes to the offensive side of things with possession. Here, it's not it's not a done deal. We have, I believe, the technical players to make this a more fluid system, more one touch that can break those things apart, break those defenses down. I am just a little bit concerned that what we're going to see is going to end up leading to more. Uh, haplessness. You guys remember what we saw with Bielsa's team in Leeds. You remember what we saw? Well, Huddersfield fans probably also remember what they saw with, with their coach. They would get caught forward, make mistakes because their technical players couldn't keep up with the system. Then they get caught on the counter, which we got caught on the counter a lot last year in Greece. Well, it's incredible. Honestly, yeah. that was so good, Adi. Like, 
I I'm so used to the level of analysis we have in Greek football and on the radio and on like sites. I'm just like, holy shit, that was so good, and you explained it so clearly. It Did like, it make sense to you? This, I've never no, done a deep a dive lot on of coaches sense. before, so I was like, no, I was kind of worried. That was fantastic. Okay, I'm glad. I'm glad that you guys that I didn't lose people here. But I did a, see a question about the black pins, though. Um, no, so there was somebody asking who plays the four four two when you brought the ones out, but that was the opposing oh, side. That um, was the opposing side. Yeah, I just did that for for just to show you guys how to take advantage of space. Of course, again it, with different formations and some of the crazy stuff we've seen in Greece, it gets a little bit more. Um, it gets a little bit more intricate, and that and all we talked about just now was us in possession we didn't even talk about us in the press and this is where the murder ball comes into play because this is the especially when we don't have the ball that's where we see the influence from bielsa and that's where we can see the exposure and that's what concerns me a little bit when we get into europe because man when we're playing against some of these higher caliber teams in europe that is where we're going to see some of these problems. And I want, I, would, I just want to be clear to everybody. I don't want, I don't want you guys to think that I'm, I'm telling you all of this just to scare you and, oh, he's going to fail. We're going to get our asses kicked. No, I'm just telling you that this, when we say that this is a risky play for a coach, this is a risk because this guy is a risk taker. This type of ball that was, that was really made famous by Bielsa is all about taking risks because the risk is the reward. You know, what, what is, there's no juice without a squeeze as they say. So, Mm -hmm. and this is it. It's great risk, but we can have great reward. That is, uh, that that's, that's kind of it. And if you want to see the, the off the ball stuff, I do have that as well. But if anybody has any other questions, you guys have any other comments you want to make before we do that? I think we should address them. Uh, I should just say, I think, the defenders we have, can they play in the system? Yeah. That was well, at least we don't yeah. need three center backs. He doesn't seem to want three center backs. And and this is another thing. <laughs> Ruben Semedo was our ball-playing center back. Do we have somebody else that you guys are comfortable with no. distributing the ball out the no, back no, like no, that? No, no, Svetlana no. Markovic, maybe. Uh, yeah. but, oh, well, never mind. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I just want to, I, I want to take my hat off to you one more time for that. I thought yeah. that was fantastic. And was so uh, you got some comments during that as well. I think one Stratos was saying you should be the new assistant coach. Um, level <laughs> leveling up on this channel, guys. If you like that, like give my boy Ari some respect. Uh, give us a like, subscribe if you haven't done so already, guys. Um, we're leveling up here at Gate 7 International. I see there've been some Alothriski as well joining us today. Good evening to them. You know, whenever they find the road back from Kabala or from whatever village they've been playing in Europe, some of them don't play in Europe. Uh, anyway, guys, yeah, uh, <laughs> had to say that. Um, listening to you, mate, like, obviously, Labra just made the point and uh, Banayotis as well. He's asking the question, you know, Vasalka could drop drop into that back three. Um, he obviously knows Gonzalo Avila from his time at, at Huddersfield as well. But the other point that you were talking about, the midfields, it seems a bit like triangle offense tiki-taka. Like he wants those technical players that can play the ball like in right. the triangles and move up the field with the ball on the floor. But when you come up against those buses in Greece... You're going to need some players that can switch the field from one side to the other, uh, pinpoint. 
We've got a couple of players that can do that. Yes. One is Yanin Villa, if he sticks around. And the other one is uh, in Bomb that we just signed. He can switch the field very, very well. But basically listening to you, mate, so I don't think we have the players that can play that system. Certainly not the 3-4-3. And we'll talk about this more, obviously. But is he? I don't think he's going to be playing that on Thursday, for example. Like, What do you expect he's going to try and do? Short term. I... Can we do it with these uh, players? Look, I, I will just because I, I gave you guys the general sense of it doesn't mean he can't play more defensive. And I that's the reason I brought this question up from Sale here. Did he change the Huddersfield play style to something more conservative during the playoffs? He did. And uh, so something I haven't brought up yet, because I was going to wait till we got into the more defensive side of things to bring this up. Uh, he he has run a 3-5-2 as well. Uh, he did use that a lot in the playoffs. During the championship playoffs, he actually used that against Nottingham Forest. He played more of a three-five-two. The the thing with um, uh, oh my god, the thing with Corboron is he seems to have what I kind of started calling a two-phase approach, right? A two-phase approach to the to the game. And what I mean is that the he always seems to start off these games. Usually, the first phase is a little bit lower tempo, lower press version. He'll sit deeper, maybe mid-block at best, less pressure, really pulling the team in, waiting for those counterattacks. But then the second half is usually when it's much higher press, much higher tempo. And this is what we kind of saw him do a lot. So I gave you guys the general sense of how his tactics worked. What I didn't talk about was more of the context with how he likes to play, how he how he man manages on the field, and it's very it's very complicated. His system is very complicated. There's a lot of different moving parts, and that's why things can get so confusing, not just for his team but for the other teams as well. Uh, the the system is is very chaotic, and the the whole point of this is he has the capability to be a defensive a defensive guy, a defensive oriented coach with, with Huddersfield. He, I don't think they could keep up this high press, high pressure system like Bielsa did with Leeds. He can't, he knew his players couldn't keep up with that. So he developed this more efficient approach. Let's wait, spend a half drawing them in, taking pressure, soaking pressure, soaking pressure. Second half, all guns blazing. We're moving forward. So I, I would believe, right? Well, I mean, I don't know his personality. I don't know what kind of risks that this guy takes. So I don't know if he's going to go all defensive or more offensive uh, during our Europa League. Me personally, I would be more conservative. I would sit back a little bit, uh, not take as many risks until I see how the game was flowing. But that's that's just me. I don't know how I'll react. But he does have the capability to play more defensive because he did do it with Huddersfield. It was just usually in this two-phase approach that we saw over the course of two games or two halves. If that answers your question. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think like a lot of people in the comment section, I'm a bit concerned about how this is going to work with our personnel and with our players and in our league. And in our time period without a preseason, without any transfers for him. So it seems a bit out of sync with like some of the signings that we look to be making right now as well. I mean, we've, yeah. we're apparently close to um, what's his name? Ba uh, Bardi from Levante. Bader. Bader. He's like yeah. a, a, an attacking midfielder 10. Right. But 
I mean, you look at the four-three-three. This guy's employ- employed or the three-four-three, and you know where does he fit in, for example? Uh, it's obvious, eh? we're talking about Bielsa ball here. So we're talking about quick, high press, very technical, very meticulous. In uh, some facets, high, yeah. High energy, high energy. And I look yeah. around this team right now and I'm thinking, okay, who's going to fit this mold? And the only one I can think of really right now is uh, Vasalko when he's fit in defense. Manolas, if he ever gets fit back to his best. The Israeli I've never seen play. The Korean, I think, fits his system. Yeah, it does. 100%. Yeah. Um, Rodriguez, but he's never fit. No. Never fit. El Arabi, I said it earlier today, and I'm going off on a tangent here, but if it's true that there is an offer coming in for El Arabi, I say cut losses and get rid. Like, I'm... I just well, needed to get that out of my chest. You know, you know what's funny? And we, we kind of have been giving this player a little bit of shit because he hasn't been doing well in the preseason. But the more I watched how players were running around and getting behind defenders and rotating with other players, I kept thinking there is a player I think will really benefit from this system. And that's Yorgos Masuras. Yorgos Masuras' characteristics, his, his best characteristics are his abilities to run, get in behind defenders, uh, move around, create space for himself. And he also is a good finisher. He can get into, when we saw, when when Patrick did that uh, analysis of Masuras, he's basically a second striker out on the wing. And this type of strategy, this type, these tactics that he uses, to, he can get Masuras into those places and get the most out of him, get that goal-scoring ability out of him, that real, I'll say, Stelios Giannakopoulos type of output from him. I think that can come from a system like this. So he's a type of player that I think would really benefit from here. I saw I saw you brought up a comment. Somebody said Agibu. I think Agibu could really benefit from a system like this as well. But again, not in one of those elevated roles, but more as one of the the center mids in in this, not like a, a in a ten role. So uh, those are players. Those are players that I think would do well um, if we're in this three four three, not the four three three part of it. Oleg. I don't think Oleg can do this. I don't think Oleg can be a part of this 3-4-3 system. When he drops the wingbacks deeper into hit the 4-3-3, I think Oleg has a place. But I think this, this Israeli kid, Doran Ledner, is going to be more valuable to us uh, in a more advanced uh, wingback, wingback role. And speaking of guys, Doran Ledner, uh, some of you guys have asked about the deep dive on him. I'm sorry that's taken a little bit longer. Uh, after... I did the Korean uh, uh, Huang and bomb. Um, I have gone through the tape. It's ready to go. There was things I was trying to do for this, but it's not going to be ready for this deep dive. Maybe the next one, but uh, it should be, it should be out for you guys. I should have it done either tonight or tomorrow for you. Also, um, I'm seeing it come up now that you mentioned Oleg. Um, didn't he start his career as a central defender? I believe like, I did. That's great. Why don't we just, why don't we just th- could we throw him in there and he's like a ball playing center back now? Like I don't know. That's an option. That that That's is it. an option. Yeah. And hey, uh, I I'll tell you guys something. This coach does tinker with players. He moves them around. Maybe in places we didn't see them before. Maybe in places they're not comfortable. In, but I don't see him as a type of coach that will change a system to fit the players. I do see him as a type of coach to take different players out of their normal position to fit the system he plays. 
That's that's how I see this coach, to be perfectly honest with you guys. So maybe, maybe he'll decide, hey, uh, Oleg, I want to check you out as uh, as one of these center backs. Maybe. I don't know. I guess we'll have to wait and see. But that's a that's an interesting, very interesting uh, comment there. Do you remember in Pedro Martinez's second season, he used to do that all the time, what you showed in the tactical analysis, where literally every single goal kick, Saar would put the ball down. On the right, you'd have Semedo. And on the left, you'd have Media. And both yeah. were good with the ball at their feet. Who do you do yeah. that with now? That, that's the question. I don't, trust, I don't trust any one of our centre backs to get the ball in that position and start a build up. No, we don't have. No. We don't have those players that can do that. No, you're right. And so that means that, that there's a reason. I mean, this is now. I'm getting into transfer talk now. There's a reason why we're starting to hear about. Bid for Manolas, bid for Papastathopoulos. Umtiti came in into the fold the other day. French World Cup winner, Barcelona player. He's not coming. Probably going back to France. He's not coming yeah. here. I don't know if Papastathopoulos and Manolas will leave. If one of them goes, I, I, I don't want to say. More likely Socrates than Manolas. I think if Manolas were to, were to leave, it's a comms. It's like a comms nightmare for the club as well. Like six months after he joins, could you imagine? I just can't see it. But again, like listening to you, it's like who the hell, who the hell can play the ball out of the back with the centre backs that we have? Socrates well, is probably the best. Yeah, maybe. But I will say this also: um, I did see in um, there was a there was one game, but this was at the beginning of like when things were with Huddersfield didn't start off so well. He did mess with the the four two three one, so he does have at least some experience there. I don't think it's a system he likes because he he messed with it when things weren't doing well. Um, but uh, yeah, I I don't um, I I could see him just maybe sticking with a four three three. I don't know. It's there's there's so many things and i don't know his personality like four years even though obviously we never met martins personally with all of his on the field actions we got an idea of his personality what things he did and didn't do we have no idea what 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 this guy's preferences are or in a pinch what he'll do uh when there's pressure on how he'll react so that's the that's the that's i don't i don't know if how he's going to react to that i based on what i've seen he seems to always want to come back to this 343 433 uh, whatever you know between those two, and I think that's what he's going to try his best to to stick with. How he's going to end up doing that, we'll we'll just have to wait and see. It's risky, man. It's risky. It is, because, this like, is a huge risk. It's a huge risk. So it is. Risky. It is. It is. So but risky. I'm going to tell you guys something, okay? Because this it is a risk. But let, this this coaching tenure, it's not going to be one of those where it's like, eh, it was like okay, whatever. This is either going to be blow us out of the water 2019 2020 level of like wow this is awesome or this is going to be ewald leanin besnik hazi worst shit we've ever seen because it's gonna it's gonna backfire it's 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 gonna be one of those two extremes so in that respect it's flip a coin that's what i'm telling you you just don't have time you don't have the time he's got a game on thursday he's got another game the thursday after that and then another one it's non-stop 
It's literally like he's missed preseason. It's like I don't, I, I, I don't know. Probably what will end up happening, and can say what we want now on this show. Four three three, or four one four one. Like you say, you said to me earlier that he likes to play a pivot, a pivot as a one. as a holding player in front of the defense that also drops back and makes it like a five when we're defending. Yeah. So then the question is, we, you and I talked about this earlier, who can play that role? Does he like playing with a, a Kane type player that runs? That yeah. Or does he want a ball playing defensive midfielder as the pivot? And we've got one of those. He's not incredibly mobile, but boy, can he pick a pass. Yep. Andreas Buha, like, oh, wait, wait, I thought you were talking about Buha. No, I'm so <laughs> glad you brought up the 4141, right? I'm so yeah. glad you brought that up uh, because we have this question here from Dawn of the Blackhearts. That's an incredible name, by the way. It just feels so, uh, so dark. <laughs> but how, um, how does this guy compare to Ernesto Valverde? And the, the answer to that is he, in possession, that I don't see a comparison. There, there's not much of a comparison there. But on the defensive side of things, there are some similarities, but maybe in the nature of what this guy picked up from uh, from Bielsa. So I have one more little chart for you guys, another little coaching session, if you will allow me. And uh, I, I do hope you guys like this again. This is like my first time uh, analyzing any kind of – coaching stuff so i hope you like it it's so good but like everyone this is this is the pressing strategy so um the huddersfield team had different approaches for defending as i mentioned to you before they played a lot off the counter i'm not going to focus on that i'm going to focus on the direct press because this is the type of pressing scheme we will see in greece teams that are kind of sitting further back in their side of the field and the scheme with how we will approach this. So as I mentioned to you before, he does things in kind of a two-phase approach. And you are going to notice when he presses, the, the formation that you see when we are pressing is this 4-1-4-1. Regardless if we're playing in possession as a 3-4-3 or whatever, it will line up like this when we are on the press. Almost maybe 7 or 8 out of 10 times when we're on a direct press. It'll be this kind of 4-1-4-1. You will have the single pivot that I mentioned to you before. This is going to be your your the holding mid that will sometimes go back to make this back three. Your your wing backs will usually be in line unless they're getting more aggressive. They will pinch way further up, or at the very least, that's what happened with Huddersfield. These guys were pinched very high, and in the second half, this line is all the way up here. This defensive line will sit at midfield. They will suffocate the other team, and you will literally see something like this. Now, generally. The way the press works is uh, when, let's say that you have the center back here with the ball, the striker, this is the key, this is the first point of the press, and this is the point where the press moves around. Because depending how he goes to the ball, whether he goes from one side or the other, this is how everybody will shift. Now, some of you are probably thinking, well, you said he's going to press from one side or the other. He's not going to go straight up. Mm-mm. Not in this system. And you'll notice that with Bielsa's system uh, at Leeds, it was very similar. The striker picks a direction. Usually he's picking the direction where he sees the most players. So he will come. And if he's coming this way because he sees that he has more players on this side of the field, the right side of the field, he will run 
to force the ball to be played this way. Now, as he is moving, as he's moving and running this way, this the this wider winger here is moving to cover this space. The attacking midfielder is also running up. And then this midfielder is holding here, pinching to close the lane. Uh to uh, hopefully to intercept and to determine whether or not the ball is going to be played to one of the midfielders that are lying in here. I don't have the the squares up, but I'll put a couple squares here for you guys so you can see. Um, there's one square there. There's one square there. Just so that I can illustrate what I'm talking about. So the, the whole purpose of this midfielder here, when this guy's moving to cut the easy play here, is his goal is to try and either cut the lane down here or maybe intercept the ball here. And then that's the job of this pivot is to work off of what his partner in the midfielder is doing, whether they're rotating this way or what, whether they're rotating this way. Now, many of you are looking at this and say, well, why would the front midfielder not cover this? This is the easier play. This is the easier ball. Why would he waste the time here to pivot here? Well, Corberon likes to play some mind games. He likes his midfielders to do that too. And there's, they seem, again, I'm not, I don't know if this is the case, but they seem to like to draw a play. They like to draw the ball. So this guy will maybe cut the harder pass away to force the ball in here because this false sense of security, just to, just for the sake of getting out of the press, will lead the quick ball to be played here. Now he's got a defender on his back and you have a winger here ready to pinch in and create the mistake. I saw plenty of cases where that happened. Uh, enough to where it made me believe entirely that it was intentional. Uh, but generally what you saw was whether the player was going here and you had a midfielder coming up here to take the space away. This is what you saw in defense. Now, when things get more aggressive, I mean, you have even more people up here. You have this defensive line pushing up the whole way. Even this pivot midfielder, this this poor guy, his name was Hogg for Huddersfield, would get caught so many times pushing so far up that you had maybe one person in the way to stop a counter uh, if he if he missed his mark or if he misjudged this. But uh, just to give you guys an idea of things that we saw, but this is similar. This is a, this is Bielsa. This is Bielsa 2.0. This is murder ball because all it takes is one mistake. From, I, from usually this pivot midfielder here to then lead to a dangerous counter. Now, obviously, I think we have some better defensive players than that. I think we have some more technical players. I don't think we're going to, at least in Greece, bite it on as many occasions, but it is something for you guys uh, to watch out for. But the name of the game here is, it is, I, I said murder ball. It is chaos. It is pressure. It is, it's to bring the heat in that respect. And even though we didn't see this type of press very often in the championship from Huddersfield, I have a feeling that this is what we'll see more in Greece because these are the types of teams that we are going to play against. And one other quick thing before I let this go, don't be surprised also if in the case that you don't see this striker here pressing, that it is one of these midfielders coming up and making the press. That's another little game that he likes to play to, to put the defense off balance and maybe make a, a, a forced pass. It's, it was very interesting, and I saw it a lot. Uh, again, uh, to the point where it just it didn't make sense because you had the striker here. This should have been the guy pressing, but you have a guy almost 20 meters away coming to make that press. It was incredible stuff. Very interesting here. So to the back to the question about is this close to uh, – 
Ernesto system. Similarly, yes, because Ernesto did a high press system that was like this, usually with a single pivot, pushing everybody forward. And this system does the same, and it's very similar in the manner that um, Bielsa used back at Leeds. So I hope you guys like that. I hope that uh, at least gave you some kind of idea on what we could expect from that type of press. Now, who can play that role in in as that pressing that that single pivot in the midfield that can also go back play the ball out? Maybe Huang can. I think I think Mvila could do I think Jan Mvila could do at least the possessive parts but I don't know if he has the stamina or the speed maybe Madi at his best could do this I I don't I don't I'm not comfortable really with anybody and we haven't seen Huang play for us yet so I'm not comfortable to tell you who I think can do that out of this team It's interesting because anybody that hasn't listened to the deep dive will watch the deep dive that Ari did with Patrick Kasky on Juan. Go and check that out. He's a player that can play the eight, but he has played the six for the national team with South Korea quite often under Paolo Bento. And again, listening to that, you could bring bring Juan back to the six, theoretically. You're losing something in the midfield in terms of creativity, but he is some. he's a metronome player from what I've seen. Like he's good on the ball, like quick turn of pace. He can ping a ball, he can pass the ball got vision, but then you lose something in midfield. But then, again, looking at that 3-4-3 system, or that system with the pivot, then the two midfielders in front, you're looking at two guys that are quite dynamic, like strong strong profile players. So you think about Madi Kamara and Agibu Kamara at their best. Exactly. To play that, that press, give that energy. So if you can get those players to play, that's something to think about. But, but again, generally, mate. Again, what you've shown us is 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 phenomenal. Um, kudos to you. Uh, you're getting massive shout outs in in the in the comments here. It, yeah. it seems to me that the different the, the team we're going to see in September is going to have to look very different in terms of personnel. Yeah, profiles. We need different profiles of players. Uh, to to He's make the system as this it. looks like yeah but the, the squad still doesn't fit it seems like even with i'm trying to think like who like even jan and via that one role the pivot role you it sounds like the guy at huddersfield was quite mobile Is yeah that, he was right yeah, like, he was te- he was not so good with the ball. Like Jan and Vila is on another planet in terms of his possession ability and ball control ability. But this guy, this guy ran nonstop. So, so I, I don't know if Kane Jan and Vila can be the up role? and back. Like is Mamadou Kane? Like is that it? You know what I mean? Oh, Paniotti, like, thank you so much, man. I appreciate that. Like, um, I, I, I don't know. I, um. I think it's interesting. Is there a role for Pepe back? Is it even time to talk about Pepe coming back? Like, so that six, that pivot. That is, so here's the thing. Like, here here are the players that uh, there's there's two, three players. No, no. Two, I'll stick with two. Two that uh, at their best, I think, could fill this role. Right. So Madi's one of them. Madi at. 2019, 2020, and even first half of um, like the post-COVID season where we played against Marseille that the, when we saw the 4-3-3, that Madi can be that pivot. Maybe he's not the best ball winner. We don't need him to be. 
We just need him to be that space holder and the guy that, the guy to anchor everything. He can do it. You and from what I saw on the tape, if you guys saw the deep dive I did with Patrick, Huang can definitely do that. But it is a waste for us to have Huang back there because Huang can do so yes. much more. Huang is a he's an eight. He's box to box. He sure he can win the ball, but man, he has creative ability. He's 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 the closest thing. Little sneak peek if you haven't watched the deep dive. He's the closest thing we've had to Guillerme since we let Guillerme go. And I'm saying that right now. I'm all in on Huang. I loved what I saw. Patrick is super excited about him too. Patrick loved him and thought that he could be a great asset for uh, Rangers in Scotland. So that's high praise as well. I don't want to waste Huang back there. So Ma that leaves Madi. I thought maybe Agibu, but again, I don't think Agibu. I'm not sure I'm comfortable with him playing in that six, even with the ball back there. You guys saw his distribution against uh, Maccabi. Yeah. Uh, no way. Do you want to chance right. that back there? No, Kunde, baby. That's his time. It's his moment. He's mobile Maybe. enough. He's, He's mobile, mobile enough. He's mobile enough. That's true. That's that's a good shot line. But his body can't. That. His body like can't hold up like he's another guy that's like he plays three games 90 minutes full speed it's just like nothing i don't know his body seems so fragile kunde i feel like he had so many strains ankle turns i see there's a bunch of comments about kane um uh i'll just take the most recent one i saw a few uh what about kane at this role angelo nine uh my my concern with kane is his ball distribution He's not the most technical player. He could run all day. He the defensive aspect of this, yes, but I don't, I don't think, I I just don't. I'm not comfortable with him in the distributive role back there because this this pivot is such an important part of the system. This guy has to be able to at least play the ball functionally. He doesn't have to be fancy. He doesn't have to be. He doesn't have to be uh, a Guillerme. He doesn't have to be um, a Mahdi at its best. He has to be somebody that that just will get the job done and not take a lot of risks. Maybe like a, um, a, like a, like a Tassos Pados type of guy. You know what I mean? Knows what he's good at, does it, that's it. Gives us all every game. Something like that. Or maybe like a David Fuster, but that plays further deep. That, 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 that's the profile, the personality that I would see that could succeed there. I don't know what your what your thoughts are on that. I don't know if there's much more we can say like right now because yeah. I mean you've you've really provided a fantastic first overview like of what this guy is about, what system he plays, how he plays. Like if anybody's just joining now, go back and look at the charts that Ari brought up about how he plays, how Corbran likes to play in possession how he likes to press, where the players are moving, what pieces are important. I encourage you go back throughout this episode and look back at what Ari said with the charts that he brought up on the on the board here. Other than that, guys, I mean, now we just have to, we have to start to see it on the pitch. First of all, get him announced, get him in the Olympiacos coaching kit, and he should be with the team on Thursday. What can he do in the short term? That's what we got to see. Um, there was a nice comment earlier about the World Cup break in, in November, December. That's going to be an opportunity for him to, to work some more. Just, yeah, we just hope that it's not bad until then. 
because one of the things that I said earlier There's on, there's a I chance tweeted, he doesn't make October. Not, yeah. I'm not, not going to say that, but I, what I have, what I'm going to say is that he's the new coach. Yeah, it means that he needs support. The fans give your support. The club, the board, the decision makers, they need to support him now. Presumably, they've had these discussions. I said earlier that this guy has probably already looked at every single player that we have in our squad and knows our squad inside out. All 47 players. So he's going to go into this job knowing what he's getting into. Uh, and now the club needs to give him the tools to do the job. This yeah. is the option the club's gone for. They need to back him. They need to back him with transfers and allow him to do what he wants to do. Without the tools, I worry. But now it's now it's all gonna gonna be on the pitch, guys. It's so difficult, though. Like, yeah. what are they gonna back him like? And I'm, I'm okay. I'm gonna say it from a fan's perspective. Two years now, we've heard support Martin, support Martins. Last week, we said the same shit before the game. Support Martins. The club told us support Martins. Like. Oh. There's a point where people like ne need to say like, we need to see some fucking results and progress. You're clamoring support, support, support. Like you're you're it's running real thin. You know the relationship here from the club with the fans. Like we're tired of support, support showing up, going everywhere, and seeing shit, and also being disrespected by the players. They don't even come and clap the fucking fans. Like what a disgrace they are. Um, so the club needs to do something for the fans. Like, I, I don't know what that is, but there needs to be a little bit of respect here because support, support, support. We have a new coach now, support, support. We've heard support for two years and we haven't seen shit for progress. So why don't you demonstrate us to something that you're doing something? That's my opinion. We we've heard for support give it to us we need help fans are our strength like fuck off with it now like let's see something from you like why don't some heads roll behind the the scenes for what we've seen like why aren't some people fired why aren't people gone martins is gone. gone okay martins is gone but what about the rest of them they're all just gonna stay put like they have no our whole back room shuffled we did no. like our back room uh, people I, who are I, not leaving huh? there's some I, people I, not I, leaving I, who have some I, responsibility I, for this shit show we've witnessed for two years. So I, I, I know maybe it's time Labrador. for them to take some responsibility. Also, this bullshit with Martins of how he's been stayed and treated like, oh, Martins is training the team, making the European list. You cowards. Like, fire the coach. Do you have any Do you have any balls? Like, you've brought us 4-0 with Maccabi Haifa, and you're too scared to go up in front of the fans and fire Martins and apologize. And you're going to be the cowards to make him resign and have your shitty media attack Pedro Martins. I'm I'm so done with it. And now they're going to tell us Monday with Corberan, we need the fans, we need support, go to the stadium. <laughs> it's I, I thought they would learn from Wednesday night, but we're going we're going right right back to the bullshit. All support to Corberan. Let's hope it's the best. But fuck me, no one even comes out to say sorry for four nil at home with Maccabi Haifa. You don't even fire the coach. You're kind of trying to force him to resign. What a disgrace. Like, what a fucking disgrace. 
I and the fans aren't happy. Like Corberan, good luck to the yeah. guy. But Corberan is not Marcelo Bielsa. Like he is not Pochettino. He's not a big contract. He's not a big name. They didn't really put the money out there after a massive failure. They're betting the house on a guy who was manager of Huddersfield Town. Good luck to you all. Good luck to the team. For our sake, I hope he does fantastic. The tactics seem interesting. But you the club has shown me they don't they didn't learn jack shit from Wednesday night. They couldn't even take out a little bit self-respect for this club and fired Martins and begged him to resign. Pay the money. You made the decision, you pay the money. That's you made the decision to stick with Martins, you pay the money now that you reap the rewards. You don't have the balls to fire Martins. Are you kidding me? And then the media comes out. Martins is crazy. He's this. He's that. Because he was told they were told by the club to say that. It's a fucking disgrace, man. It's a disgrace, and we need to call it as it is. What a disgrace it is. I'm I'm fucking pissed off, to be honest with you, of how this whole thing has been treated. So good luck to Corberan, but fuck the propaganda. I'm so done with this shit of support and support and the way this... We lost 4-0, Maccabi Haifa. He's still here Sunday night. Are you kidding me? Fucking joke. He's going to resign. Like, what a disgrace from them. They should be in shame, and some of them should go. A lot of them should be gone. But that's my opinion. That's my opinion. That's my opinion. Not Gate I, 7 International. That's my opinion. Fucking I, I disgrace. Can, I, I can relate to the things you've said in a sense that three, four weeks ago, sorry to bring back uh, Dirty Laundry, but three, four weeks ago, we were talking about Sabatini. We were talking about Morgan de Sanctis. There, we saw there were big changes being made in the backroom. Technocrats leaving their posts. Lina Suluku out. Uh, Nikos Gavalas changing posts, etc. Uh, and then, of course, you know, Olympiakos comes out and says, we've been talking with 30 technical directors. It wasn't De Sanctis that was favourite. It wasn't Sabatini. We're talking to 20 or 30 people. And then nothing. And the club says, Dorosidis is technical director, Modesto is chief scout, uh, Garebe is sporting director. Where's Christian Garebe? What does Vasilis Dorosidis do as a technical director? Is he a technical director like Fabio Paratici is at Tottenham? Is he a technical director like Mozzi is at Sevilla? What does he do? Like, th- th- this, this is what has annoyed me. It's just we're just jumping from one thing to the other and just looking for quick fixes. And and I'm sorry, like as, as optimistic and fascinated as I was by that unbelievable analysis that Ari presented to us on what Corberan can do with that formation, that sounds brilliant, but it doesn't sound like this Olympiacos team can do it. And I may be jumping the gun here, but of course I would have liked to see the club commit and say, we fucked up, we shouldn't have renewed Martins, things have been going wrong for a long time, I'm going to splash the money and I'm going to try and bring Pochettino in, or something, I don't know, but like it's a massive risk. It's but a massive even risk. the club, the the club. This is for them right now. You uh, like the cowardice 
of the media didn't say one bad word for Martins. He's good. He, he's doing these things. Thursday, Thursday morning, they all come. They say he's crazy. He's by himself. He's not right. He's not a normal person. He's lost his mind. Fucking disgrace. You send the media out to do your bidding to make the guy resign. You're a jo- like you organize all these people to force him to resign because you don't want to pay the money because you fucked up. What a disgrace, man. What a disgrace. It's just, it's a joke. And we got to call it by name. Now the newspapers tell us Corberan turned down the Premier League for Olympiacos. Vlakies. Opospada. And but we're, we're, we're expect to eat this up. Eat this up. Eat this up. Fucking bullshit. And Nobody believes that anymore. Nobody no, but let's be Do they think we're idiots? Do they think we're idiots? Like, I, I can't take it anymore. You know, it, it's over. It's over. And they need to realize that it, it's not it's not 2002. You don't get your news from the goddamn newspaper. We we read, we analyze things. We have brains. We're not as stupid as they seem to think. And to to not even come out and apologize. Not re- first things first. They should have refunded all the fans who were there. They begged everyone to come. Please, please come. Please, 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 please come. And then Monday, no, last week you announced. Oh, tickets are on sale for next week without even. Without even announcing Martin's gone, you have no shame. You you have no shame asking people to buy tickets when you can't even fire your coach. You're too scared. That's fine. That's beautiful. I don't know. No one was fired except for Martin's. It's all Martin's fault. Some people told you Martin's was done long time ago, but the media said he's all okay. The backroom says it's all okay. I'm I'm done with it, and I. I've held off from saying like a lot of these things. I'm going to be real honest from here on forward. Like this is over like this bullshit. The lines, Martin's going to turn it around. We're going to do it around you. The look at the, the level of incompetence and what it's led us to. So we don't even have a technical director. Are you kidding me? Like, fuck's sake. I don't know who makes the transfers. Christian Carambe is like, what is he? he? He doesn't make transfers. Let's be real. So, Let's see. That's I, that's my point. Lambo, I feel I feel I feel what you're saying, and I, I understand. I have because deep like, pain because I see Olympiacos is like a third rate, just bullshit. Like they like how it is being treated, like it's a joke, and they think we're we're idiots. That's the thing I I love. Like when I read that that headline, it's just like incredible. It's it, it's incredible. It's really I incredible. So I don't know if it's if an it's insult to intelligence. Idiots. I just think that, like, look, man, when you're when you're in when you're in in a bubble, you know what I mean. You're in like your space, and you're just doing the things that are in there over and over again. You don't always pay attention to what's going on on the outside. You know what I mean? And I I believe a hundred percent that a lot of that a lot of like what goes on, everyone's very insulated, and you know they do what they do. They're inside that bubble, and then they they don't maybe don't see or pay attention to what's going on outside. I don't necessarily think they think we're idiots. I just think that they are insulated. I do. I very much believe that. There's no such thing as criticism. You go read, read an article of the athletic talking about a football team in the, in England and compare it. I agree with you to the shit we have to read. Like, yeah, in that's Greece, man. I'm gonna call them out. Sport 24, Gazeta, Todeca GR, the worst. Jesus Christ, it's a joke. But like, look at the analysis you read in these papers, and you're like, 
what is it, 1994? Big name is coming. Bomb is coming. Like, you're going to tell me about a player, not like bomb is coming and BS that masks the problems of the team. Anyway, it's a joke. It's a joke. If someone could be brave enough to take a stand and actually write what people think and what should be said, that would be fantastic. And maybe people in the press conference, like Martins wasn't asked like a serious question in three years. Can we ask a question of our coach? Can we ask, is it, is it illegal to ask a question? Tuesday night. Yeah, there's been no post-matches. What is this? North Korea? Anyway, Tuesday, Tuesday at the press conference that I'm forced to have before European game, I would have opened my microphone and I said, how do you feel Pedro Martins? If you lose this game, you're going to be sacked and you've been playing really bad football for a little while. Are you scared you're going to lose your job? He would have banged on the desk. He's going to bang on the table. Then bang on the table, man. He doesn't even get the opportunity to bang on the table because they say, Mr. Martins, uh, yeah. the team hasn't created a lot. You think that'll all change tomorrow? What a question, boss. Like, you really thought that one through? It's incredible. It's incredible. I don't know. Yeah. It's no different. What about all the softball questions we saw for the Greek national team with JVS? Yeah, but it's the same. It's also, it's, it's not a mistake that Greece is one of the worst ranked media, like press freedom in all of Europe. And do you think that's like, doesn't come through to the sport? No, of course not, man. Of course not. Yeah, yeah I'm with you. But anyway, but look, that's my main point. We we, we get, deserved an apology and we deserve Martins fired Wednesday night. We I didn't, We didn't deserve another propaganda campaign about forcing him to resign. And if he was yeah. right, he would resign. This I'm, isn't a movie. The coach isn't going to be, come after the game and be like, I I apologize. I resign. You, this is the real world. You fire the coach. No one is going to pass a few million euros on the table and resign. What is this, a movie? Like, what is this, Rocky? Like, someone's going to be like, I suck. I resign. Fucking joke. Listen, man. Yeah. I, I I feel you, uh-huh. dude. I, I understand the frustration. I'm with you. It sucks. We, we're in, we were in this position. They should have. You're right. They should have. They should have fired him. This should have been handled better. There should have been a plan. Sometimes it 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 doesn't feel like there's a plan. So it it really doesn't. Sometimes I'm with you, but the fact the fact of the matter is, it's it's a new Olympiacos now with under under Corboron. It's a new direction. Whether or not whether or not this is uh, it's going to work, we'll see. We'll see what happens. We, but we, we, you know, we, we support, we're going to support this guy. It's, we're going to give him the chance. Martins was given a chance. Martins earned a lot of the goodwill that he had. He lost it in the end, but he did earn that. And I think, I think that as much as we are, you know, shit on the club for a lot of decisions that were being made, that were being made, we also have to recognize that our club is the first club in a very, very long time to ever have faith in somebody like it did, even when things went poorly. Maybe it was misplaced faith. Okay. But how many other clubs in Greece would ever do that in the last 10 years? Anybody? No. We we at least took the way I see this in the long term, right? And I'm not disagreeing. I'm not disagreeing with the fact that uh, things were a mistake and things should have been done a different way and that Martins ended up failing in the end. But this 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 whole this last four years, at the very least was a step towards stability or the fact that we could achieve some kind of stability in coaching, maybe in some kind of direction of the club. So I get, I get it, but I think, I think, um, 
there's growing pains and there's there's pains that are going to continue to happen at this club before it gets better unfortunately before we can actually become operate ever operate like an elite european club yeah so that point that point you raised about like stability and having a manager in the long term for five years and i know it's been talked about on other channels as well and in the in the press but five seasons at olympiacos man i think somebody on the radio called that you know compared that to 20 years in a in a coal mine that, that is, is ridiculous and we always talk about the luciano interview as well and in a in a perfect world had covid not happened probably martins would have found another job after that uefa run exactly in the europa league and i do believe that that whole situation completely fucked this club it really fucked us like when we were really evolving into yeah what what we dream about olympiacos being like an elite european football club when we talk about we keep on dreaming because that team i be, like i think we all believe could have gone all the way and it was unjust like what happened that season but that was that was then. This is now. I see other teams in Greece trying to replicate what we did, in a sense that they're tr they've invested in managers, coaches. Jovanovic is a good coach at Panathinaikos. Almeida played good football in Mexico with uh, was it Chivas Guadalajara? Played mm -hmm. good football. Anybody that that's that's watched the Mexican football. Uh, Aris. They bought another guy, another assistant assistant coach of, of Simeone. They look pretty good. They look pretty good. Is going to be like I, I know we we kind of have the tendency to say this every every year, like when a new season's about to begin. But it legit does look to me that there is going to be more competition this year, and we saw at the end of last season how hard it was for us to finish the league off. So when I see comments like this, I'm sorry to single this out, 47 times champions and it's a joke, it's a joke, that don't go hand in hand. Nobody's taking away the 47. But what's the competition? Was there competition last year? Was the competition the year before that? The last time we had any remote kind of competition in the Greek league was the 2019 season. And even that, like we, we finished it comfortably. Yep. When, when we, when we beat Balk to the title after they'd won it the season before us, this league, get it into your heads. Most of you know it. This league hasn't been competitive since Greece was in the top 10 of the UEFA coefficients. That's the truth. And we've just been walking it every year. And yeah, we've been walking it because we have invested money. Like we have bought in players. We have been the best team. But best team compared to what? So this year is gonna be it's gonna be more difficult. And I think we're starting from a lower from a lower position than, than normally going into the seasons. Um if we're favorites, I don't think the odds are that far apart. Banathanagos has made some very good moves, in my opinion. They bought this guy Verbich, former Dynamo Kiev player. I don't know yeah. where he's been recently. Uh, the other Slovenian striker. I think they're, they're two Slovenian internationals up front. They're talking about bringing in Roberta Pereira now. 
the guy that played in the Premier League playing for Udinese. Think, think, things are happening in the league. And again, the other teams, they have good coaches. So uh, we're not... Labro isn't shitting on everyone or like, you know, being Labro, having a Labro run. Because <laughs> no, I'm just tired. I'm just tired. Run. Like, I'm I'm really tired. There um, are issues. There are issues that are not talked about in the Greek press. We're also, not Greek press. and we're not Greek we're not press. Greek press. And also, I don't think you, like, as we've gotten bigger and closer and closer to the things like, you get a clearer image and we've gotten a very clear image. And I'll say my image, my opinion is stems from that. Maybe from things that we know that are not so clear to everyone else. And I don't need to build upon any of that, but that's where my opinion draws from. Um, uh, do uh, that. The same commenter had a couple other comments. And um, I think, um, Dumetch, I think what you're you're saying here, we should never it's build based point. on what the others do, but what others do affect our capabilities as well. That that's not lost on us. And I actually think the former part, we we shouldn't ba build based on what others do, is is what we're talking about here. It's and Costa already brought that up be, because of the fact we're saying that there hasn't been competition. We can't build with what their quality is. We have our sights have been set towards Europe, and as far as we have been concerned this club should be building for europe because if we build for europe we're going to continue to win greece by default this year's getting tougher but that's i think that's the point that's being made here we don't disagree with you on that and and we're not shitting on those titles by any reason the the whole point that we're making is that that we we're we're on a different level and we need to continue acting like that that is the point that lambo's making it's the exact same thing that you're saying yeah, we just need to build. We need to build. Like, how many years did we take Champions League money and have good experiences in the Champions League? Like, a lot of those Greek teams never touched Europe for years. They never had the opportunity to modernize, to take this money, to do something with it. We have exceptional youth facilities at Olympiakos, exceptional training facilities. Literally anyone will tell you that who has been there. Um, Easily, a fantastic stadium, fantastic pitch. Um, we just need to take the next step. There's a few things that need to be done. Data, scouting, analytics, and well, not hiding that. behind. No, it, we, we do that. We've started. We're just, do we, I don't know on, if we were using it like, before, which yeah, is the problem. So we weren't using step it Step in the right direction. Like, let's say you think Francois Modesto would have signed Huang, would he have signed Leidner, and all of these players... These players are straight from the data analytics and scouting department. And we can say that for a fact because we know it. It's and it, right. And we can also say for a fact, Francois Modesto blocked a shit ton of transfers that came from the transfer <laughs> from the scouting and data department. Um, there's been a change in approach at Olympia, of course, and that's a step in the right direction. If we can build on that and get another, uh, another uh, scouting director who believes in the same thing, that would be fantastic. And also, if we could move past the propaganda, if we could move past the lying to the fans, insulting of intelligence, that would be great. If the and and that's all I'll say. I think that's all I really have to say tonight. It's a new beginning for Olympiacos, but for me, guys, it's not a new beginning. The things that went wrong Wednesday were not corrected with Carlos Corberan. Okay, there we go. I almost forgot his name. Um, 
That's well, all I got to say. I think this is a new subscriber. Thanks for subscribing, mate. Um, so do you think I said corner man earlier? I called him corner man. <laughs> corner <laughs> man. Oh, corner man. Oh, shit. I, wanna, I love I wanna, that. I want to say something about corner man because uh, here's a statistic. I don't know if you know this one, Ari. Um, Huddersfield had the best record in the championship last season uh, with regards to set pieces, uh, set piece goals conceded. They were number one in terms of goals con uh, goals not conceded from set right. pieces. Right, least goals so they conceded. Were the best, yeah. Yeah. They were the yeah. best defensive team when defending set pieces. What is What has Olibiagos been horrible at the last three seasons? Set pieces. Set pieces. Terrible. And also just like set pieces in general, even offensively. Yeah. There's been nothing, there's been nothing innovative. And um, some of you may have watched, like there's a Sky Sports interview I think you can find on YouTube. And they make a point about Corboran being a, being a wizard when it comes to set pieces. That's something to look out for as well. I think they scored a lot of goals from set pieces last season. Something to think about. Yep. I I didn't see a lot of set pieces conceded. I didn't compare it to anything, but that doesn't surprise me. They look pretty solid. And they don't do zone marking. FYI. Fuck. <laughs> we won't get into that. Thank fuck. <laughs> I'm done. I'm like, and, and there was some other messages like that we're shitting on Pedro Martins and I said it before his successes we recognize just as much as we recognize his failures and nobody's fucking perfect his circle closed at the club for i think for all of us three a while ago and now people are saying now they're going to training and saying eglis or giglos were time to leave that ended a while ago and that's one of the reasons we have some grievances and why you see some of us are stressed we're all stressed. We're all anxious. We all want to turn things around. We haven't seen football for a year and a half. That's why we get a little bit stressed sometimes. And we're told to shut shut the fuck up. If you complained, you're whining. You're not real Olympiacos. Support the team. You're full of shit. You don't know football. Trust the experts. Look what the experts brought us. Bullshit like usual. Let's see what they bring us now. Hopefully... Um, Hopefully you support Koberan and you see what 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 happens. Hopefully this shit doesn't happen again. Let, let's see. Transfer roundup. Move on from let's this. Let's do it. Let's, let's do, do it. it. Can I just bring this up real quick? Anything Go new for, for a goalkeeper? Strato says. Um, yeah, I, I think I, I'm going to say I think we do need a goalkeeper. I think I'm not. I'm not feeling. I'm not feeling secure. In that position, you can't sell Batch You can't last sell match in particular. That you maybe don't sell him. I don't know what, but we need a keeper. I think we need a keeper. No rumors, though. We don't know. But you yeah, can't sell um, him not because he's untouchable. You can't sell him for other reasons, which I'm not going to mention. He's going to go to that club, and they'll see why they can't buy him. But anyway, we'll find what out. What else do we got? There's been Ruben Semedo talks this week as well. Apparently, he's in Doha. Olympiacos received the bid from Al Dihail for three million for fifty percent of his rights. 
Tag him and bag him. Get him the hell out of here. He's already in Qatar, apparently. That's a fantastic deal for me. 50% of his rights for 3 million. Get him out. Done deal. Uh, what else do we got? We mentioned the Samuel M- Umtiti rumours earlier. Looks like he's going back to France now, if you believe the rumours that are surfacing today. Um, what else do we have? Obviously, uh, Juan Imbom has been announced. Deron Leiden has been announced as well. What else do we have? Jordan Larson was mentioned as, as a potential target up front. Swedish international. Awesome. Yeah. Swedish international free agent right now. The son of Henrik Larson. I like that. I like it very much. And with Hassan, Hassan and Tikinio receiving bids. It looks like we need transfers all over the park. Like people are bringing up Badi as well from Levante. Uh, Spanish media says that deal's been agreed for three million. Three million plus plus one point five in bonuses and you know appearance based uh, appearance based fees. We need transfers everywhere, guys. And there was a question from Panayotis Exarchos earlier as well. You know what other positions are key in in Corberan system behind the six, uh, besides the six, centre backs, wing backs, ball playing centre back. Yeah. Ball playing centre backs, plural, yeah. striker, and there. I think to me it looks like we're we're talking about ten to fifteen players out by the end of the window, and possibly ten to 15, ten players in. You can. I'm going to record this soundbite and see if I got it right mm. on 15th of September. We'll see. Also, there's Fortuny's comments, guys. Get Fortuny's out of your head. Get him, get him out of your head. Daki Stukalas talked about this also. If you listen to him, just get him out of your head. As pinch I know, pinch us out with Daki's, but I think yeah, yeah I, I'm just, I'm just saying, just, just get right now, guys. Get him out of your head. We, we would all love to see him back. We all remember the magic. We all remember what he, what he could offer this team. But for your own sanity, just get it out of your head. Two surgeries later. And even with the coach out, you know, we, we, you've all heard rumors. We've all heard rumors since he's been here about how he is and how he is off the field. So just get that out of your head, guys. At this point, I would love, I would love to see him back again. But at this point, I just think it's better for everybody if we just act like it's the relationship between Olympiacos is done and your health is better for it. Just forget about it. Yeah, guys, I, I'm in agreement with that. I'm not hoping for any kind of return for Costas Fortunas to the club, frankly. I think it's dumb. Yeah. It's over. We enjoyed him. We saw the best of him. And let's remember that. And whatever happens now isn't my at least for me, isn't my concern anymore. Um I know some fans sung his name the other day. I don't think I sung his name too. Internet. He's not any kind of messiah. <laughs> What's that? I sung his name too. Yeah, we were together. Another one who was fucked by the club. Yeah, I, think more, I think it's more complicated than that. Anyway. It always is with him. It's always more complicated. I, I could tell to, you guys. I could tell you guys a story about about him and Cambiaso, but that'll be for later. He's well, and sounds- the thing about Fortunis. One last thing is like he's probably not even that good. He's just torn his ACL t- two times. Yeah, is it's there so any hard footballer who can that. like come back from that? Are you kidding me? But like just the way he was treated, he wasn't even given a chance. But 
maybe that's for some reason behind the scenes. Who knows? Yeah. That story will come one day when he's gone and he's on a podcast with Betarades or something and he gives the lowdown of what happened. Like Siopis did three months ago about how he played with injection. Shit like that always comes out in like an interview five, ten years later. So maybe it's Gate 7 International that interviews Costas Fortunis why he left Olympiacos. That'd be a cool interview. (laughs) That would be. That would be. Maybe. I just want to hear about his other, like his, like the field stuff with him, to be honest with you, but that would be cool too. Yeah, we'll see. No, we can add that to the bucket list. There you go. I just want to answer this comment as well real quick. Uh, Buddy Yanis Pinos saying that we were good on attacking set pieces last year. You know what, mate? I think Cissé was really good on attacking set pieces. <laughs> I agree with that. I agree with that with 100%. Cissé was really good on set pieces. Actually, you know who was really good on set pieces? And after I did the Huang deep dive, I didn't realize it until after. Guillerme. Guillerme, Guillerme was, kind of was good, animal. man. He was an animal on didn't set he pieces. He scored two goals against Victoria. He had a couple Pleasant. of them, man. Yeah, I, yeah. I completely forgot about those. Just random tidbit. God, one epic player. Fuck Missed that yeah, guy. Those were the days. Ooh, okay. Good I think question. we're going to wrap up soon. We're going to wrap yeah. up now, right, guys? But like, there's some questions about the basketball team. Guys, basketball team. Pride and joy of this club right now. I'm just going to say it. I'm really looking forward to basketball. I know we don't talk about basketball enough. Uh, we're more football guys. We do uh, have check out Red Point Guard. They do a fantastic job. Those guys that work on the blog there. Um, they come on the show from time to time as well. So, yeah, maybe we'll do a basketball episode soon. There's enough going on in football right now, so we're busy enough. But, yeah, very exciting times with the basketball team. Thank you, Nicole Owo, whatever that means. Yanis de Diafonos, Edrasos y Sequeagios, Oceos. Yes, shit. Yes, Yes, sir. That, that 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 was that, that was the tactic for uh, for Maccabi, wasn't it? But we'll just throw the ball up to Tikini and hope so somebody uh, runs onto a flick on or something. Exactly. Uh, Sale. I I actually know nothing about <laughs> basketball, but this Libyakos team. I watched more basketball last year than I have in my whole life. So I am a basketball fan now. But no, you won't ever hear me on the. I know nothing about basketball. I can't give you analysis on that. Sorry. Yeah. Well, Th- uh, thank you for this comment as well. But like, I do, I do like. I Dionys. like Vermelis. I do like Dionysus mm-hmm. very much, and he's been very, very kind to us as well, and helped us yeah, with stuff. A, I like him. Also, recently, to be honest, like with some of his lives, I feel like he's been a lot more honest than yeah. any other Anyone. Greek journalist we've had. Maybe Padelis from uh, Sport Twenty Four. Yeah, yeah Padelis is in his own Padelis is in his own kind of world. Yeah. But yeah. 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 Anyway. Don't uh, want to call people out or something. <laughs> <laughs> Strato, okay. DM us, buddy. Yeah. DM us if you actually Yeah, if you want analysis. to. Yeah, we can we have our site as well. Blogs are going to be returning hopefully soon. Um yeah. www.gate7intl dot com get that loaded up for this season as well but that is all time all the time that we've got for today been going late almost midnight did uh this 
Hello. Yeah, Solomon Cosas Leonos did speak yes, on did. Sport FM. It's on their YouTube channel about new coach Carlos Corberan. So if you're a Greek language speaker, Costas Leonos was on their YouTube channel. Or he was on the radio and then they uploaded onto their YouTube channel if you want to listen to it. It's live, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that, that story was hilarious castillo's instagram story from paris paris underscore zaf for the audio listeners castillo comes out of retirement teaches them how to dribble neri castillo had a hilarious story uh it was basically like i've never seen 11 players mm. on the pitch that couldn't dribble that was shit. i died man that was so funny I want to. I want to end on a positive note because, like, yeah, we got a new coach. Like, why are we so depressed? Like, well, we know why we're depressed. You but were anyway, depressed. Like, I'm still <laughs> I was depressed. Just worried. I'm depressed, man. Like, I'm but, so depressed. But Schlick dribbled in the last game, guys. Don't forget that risk. That not risky. You know, no risk dribble that he did on, on the attacker. But anyway, um, no, it's true. Like, we have a new coach coming in. I think that there has to be a reaction from the dressing room. Anytime there's a new yes. coach coming in, it's an opportunity. It's a fresh start. It's a clean slate. There has to be a reaction from the players. I think we will see something better on Thursday. Um, voila. And and for the rest, like we'll we'll judge it as we see it, as we always do. Guys, anything else to add? That's it. Uh, Doran right. Ledner deep dive will be done. Uh I'll, I should have it either done tonight or tomorrow, so you guys will see that early this week. And if Barty signs, I'll get that done as fast as possible as well. I have some surprises I'm hoping I'll be able to get for you guys on those as well. And don't miss that next deep dive coming up. If you haven't subscribed, yeah. hit the subscribe button, hit the bell. As soon as that episode's up, it will flash up on your device and you can go and watch Ari Scout Report deep dive into those new players. We're Gate 7 International. Until next time, by the fans, for the fans, thank you for watching. See you next time.